Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm sorry. I know you mean well. You just didn't think it through. You want to protect the world, but you don't want it to change. How is humanity saved if it's not allowed to... Evolve. There's only one path to peace. The Avengers Extinction. everybody and welcome to Pick a Flick, although a slightly different episode of Pick a Flick this time round because we're taking the pick off and we're going to switch it round and we're going to fix a flick today. This is a brand new idea that we've had in the pipeline for a while and we will explain the details of it in a bit. But first off, let me introduce my co-host for this episode who is going to help me fix the flicking question. It's uh, good old Mr. Andrew Brooker. Hello, mate. How are you? You're right. I am great, thanks, mate. How about you? Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit. I'm a bit fluey. I'm a little bit well pre-fluey. I, I said to you before, Andy. It's like a pre-cold. So I'm. Um, I'm lem sipping. So if I'm a bit sniffly this time round, everybody. Yeah, I'm in the the pre-man flu stage. Although, <laughs> just in time for the bank holiday weekend. Perfect. It's perfect time, isn't it? If you get an extra day off at the weekend, no thanks. <laughs> Yeah, apart from that, I'm all I'm all dandy, and um, we today are going to be um, attempting to fix a flick that you suggested. So this is this is your choice this time round. So I invited you on to um, go deep into this and talk a bit more about it. So um, what flick are we going to um, are we going to fix today? Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, or is it quite quite uh, happily called in my house Age of Boredom? <laughs> <laughs> Age of Boredom, which I don't think would have been as attractive a title to um, Kevin Feige and all those guys. No, nah, probably not, but much more appropriate. <laughs> well, it's this is it. We will. Um, the whole purpose of 
fix a flick, which, you know, we're, we're, we're uncharted territory here. You know, this is breaking the format of pick a flick. So we're going to do things slightly differently. But the whole idea of fix a flick is that we, we take a movie that, you know, quite a few people have said has problems and you especially think has problems. And we're going to see how we could fix it to, if not make it better, then make it better for you, at least, I think, as a fan, as yeah. somebody who was disappointed in what you got. So that's the general, it's, it's basically as simple as that, this, this whole episode. But we've timed it specially for Marvel, because obviously we're recording this the night before Civil War hits the UK, and we're pretty excited. You, you were almost going to a midnight screening, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I, my ticket's booked. I might still change my mind and go, but I'm just, you know, work and life and, you know, things just don't always let you go. We're on the we're on the cusp of what people are talking up in reviews as one of the best Marvel films ever, Civil War. So Is that what they said? Yeah. It's uh... I, I admit I've I've not read a single thing. I'm I'm hoping well, I was hoping to go in tonight, but probably not. I'm hoping to go in completely blind. I've not the only thing, the only trailers I've watched are the ones that have appeared at, when I've been at the cinema. Yeah. The you know I've not read reviews. I've not seen the clips that keep appearing from on my Twitter feed. I just I'm avoiding everything. Well, truthfully, I'm I'm pretty much exactly the same. I know from from like headlines of, of reviews that you know people are basically saying, "Oh, the Civil War is brilliant." I don't. I've not read them either. I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm trying to avoid as much as I can. I don't. I know very little about about the story about everything. So. I'm trying to remain unspoiled. So there won't be any spoilers, obviously, for Civil War in this episode because we don't know. We haven't seen the film and we, we haven't, we're not spoiler-phobes, you or I. We don't want to know everything before we go into a movie. But yeah, the, the early buzz for Civil War is that it's really good and that it could be one of the best and it's possibly better than Winter Soldier and, and everything like that. So it could even be better than the, the Avengers, Avengers Assemble, which is, which is going oh. some. Well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, Winter, Winter Soldier is my favourite of the Marvel films so far. Yeah. So for it to be better than that would be a big ask for me. Well, I'd be happy if they tried it. But well, yeah. Yeah. I think I think it. Um, I think it could be, and I, I'm the same. We I love Winter Soldier as well. I think it's really good. But I think with the same people involved, there's every chance it could eclipse it. So yeah, we, we'll soon see. We'll soon see, and obviously you'll be able to find reviews of Civil War on one of the Black Hole Media um, podcasts, probably Black Hole Cinema. But um, that will be coming soon. Before then, though. Today, we are going to, as Andrew says, we're going to look at Avengers Age of Ultron, which is the sequel to 2012's Avengers Assemble and the 11th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was written and directed by Joss Whedon and features an ensemble cast that includes, wait for it, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Don Cheadle, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Kobe Smulders, Anthony Mackie, Hayley Atwell, Idris Elba, Stellan Skarsgård, James Spader, and Samuel L. Jackson. <sighs> wow. Yeah. I mean, even though some of those are only, like, in it for about 12 seconds, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Just that list of people you don't you don't see lists like that very often nowadays. It's a pretty remarkable list of of talent, isn't it? In one film, yeah. And in the movie, the Avengers fight Ultron, who is an artificial intelligence obsessed with causing human extinction. The sequel was announced in 2012, May 2012, after the hugely successful release of the first Avengers, and Joss Whedon was pretty swiftly brought back on board in order to helm the second and have a general overview of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was all leading towards this. 
and it came out in April of 2015. So it's a year on now from Age of Ultron, and it received overall positive reviews from critics, with most enjoying its extravagant yet unmemorable action sequences and the villain. It grossed over $1.4 billion worldwide, making it the seventh highest grossing film in history, and the fourth, yeah, and the fourth highest grossing film of 2015. I don't think it will retain that seventh highest grossing film, you know, mantle forever no. because the way that movies make money now, I, I can't imagine it being there for as long as films would have been in the old days. And obviously, the next two Avengers sequels are Infinity War Parts One and Two, which are coming in May 2018 and May 2019, respectively. So, it's a pretty big film, and what we thought we'd do for this episode is. Go through it in stages. So we're going to do it where we talk about what we think of the film and, in general, what we did like about or Age of Ultron. This might be very brief for you, Andrew. <laughs> uh, it, it, it won't be that brief. I, I, it's, it's grown on me a little bit over the last year. But I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'll be quite as savage as I would have been, say, two days after I first saw it. <laughs> then we're going to talk about... We're going to say, where did it go wrong? So... We're going to ask, what did Age of Ultron do badly? And then finally, we're going to talk about how we could fix it. And we've got some ideas, I think. And then we'll hopefully try and fashion out a more appealing sequel movie to The Avengers. So let's begin then with what we think of Age of Ultron. Andrew, let's let's do what we do on the X-Cast, which is our X-Files podcast that we you do regularly with me. If you were going to give a score out of 10, what would you give Age of Ultron? Now, I, I think I'd probably give Age of Ultron probably a 6, 6.5 out of 10. Right. I don't think it's bad anymore. Like When I first saw it, I thought it was awful. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's bad anymore, but it's it's definitely average at best, I think. Yeah. And when when you compare it to what came before and after, it's definitely average. Yeah, I think I, think I would probably go with a 7. Actually, and and originally it probably would have been like a six, but I think, like you, I don't quite feel the same. I was going to say vitriol, but I don't think I felt vitriol a year ago. I remember, I remember coming out of the cinema, being disappointed for several yeah. reasons, and I think you know, admittedly, one of the main reasons. And anyone who knows me who's listening to this will know that quite a lot of us went to a uh, an IMAX 3D showing of Age of oh, Ultron. Wow. Yeah. And, we, and unfortunately, I mean, I booked the tickets for like 10 of us. About seven of the people like we, I was with came out with a stinking headache because I booked the tickets far too close to the front, really. I didn't have much of a choice because I had to get 10 people on one row. <laughs> um, and we were so close to the front. There were times when you, you couldn't see everything in your art, in your mind's eye. You know, it was, it, was, it was too much. And it was... I've done, I've done IMAX showing similar. Like right down at the front, you're like, fucking hell. Got... You come out with a neck ache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neck ache, headache, just just brain overload. And I mean, the thing is, I mean, this is an entirely different kind of rant for a different kind of podcast, but I, I, I want to see IMAX without 3D. And unfortunately, I don't have a choice anymore. I have to, unless a very, very select cinemas across the country do show films in IMAX, simply IMAX. They don't in Birmingham, no. where I live, and I have to watch it in 3D. And I, I was thinking about, in terms of Civil War, and I was originally I was I was going I was saying to my girlfriend I want to see it in IMAX 3D and and in the last 24 hours I've been sitting there thinking well I came out of Age of Ultron pissed off 
at that. Yeah. And I thought, why am I going to put myself through that again for a film that I might actually like less if I watch it in that? So we're going to go in 2D. And yeah. I watched Age of Ultron in preparation for this podcast in 2D. And I've got to say, I did like it more. I did enjoy it more. I think there are virtues to it that weren't helped by the horrible, <laughs> insane mess of 3D. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I made the decision after Thor, I think, to mm. we only watch Marvel films at the cinema in 2D. If they if they start filming them in 3D, I might go and try one out. Retrofit mm. 3D just gives me a headache. Yeah. And and like you say, I mean, our local IMAX, if there's 2D films, uh, they, they do show them 2D IMAX. Two of my Deadpool screenings were 2D IMAX. Uh, Two of your but, hundred Deadpool screenings. <laughs> yeah, my hundred and forty-three screenings. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but actually, in two D, it's a fantastic cinema. Yeah, my the, my local one, it's uh, obviously it's the IMAX screen and it's got Atmos sound in it as well. It just it blows you away. But yeah, I I've watched I watched one film in IMAX three D over here, uh, and that was The Walk. Okay, because. You kind of needed to watch it in 3D mm. because of what it was. But yeah, Marvel films, always, always 2D. The, the 3D is too jarring for me, even in a standard 3D screen. I, th- I think I will make an exception. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick to that single kind of rule myself. I think I'll make an exception for Doctor Strange because by the sound of it, from what I've seen already in the trailer, it looks like it's been specifically retrofitted with a kind of a, a, a 3D element which might make more sense than just having it lobbed on. So... I, yeah, that that's going the kind of inception route yeah. of twisting things around, isn't it? So that might work really well. Mm. What I will probably do is go see it in 2D, <laughs> and if I like it, go again. Yes, yeah. that's, God, God bless the Limitless card. Yes, I might well do the same. But And I think, you know, if if, if I could see my time over again, I would have gone and seen Age of Ultron in 2D. And I, I do wonder back and think, well, would I, have, would I have had a different reaction? I'm not sure I would have done. I think I would have still been disappointed. And... I think that well, we'll get we'll get to what's wrong with it, but let's let's try and because <laughs> that's a longer conversation. <laughs> so just turning yeah. it into a rant, just have to try and stick to the schedule. <laughs> See, it would be easily done. The things that it does well, then. I mean, what would what would you say that Age of Ultron gets right? It's casting for its bad guy. Yeah, definitely. It's just, every time uh, every time I saw a trailer for Age of Ultron. And especially the first time Ultron's revealed, and he does the uh, the thing from Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, the, the terrifying, absolutely terrifying. He's got such a perfect voice for that bad guy. There are no strings on me. That kind it, of thing. That 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 was like your Bane from our Batman. <laughs> Superman. Yeah, all, all the impressions are Bane. <laughs> all the impressions end up being Bane. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that it's that it's that really sort of. Creeping. But it was it was genius casting as well because the guy had just come back into like the public eye a little bit after you know after films like uh, The Watcher and Crash where and people didn't really yeah. know who James Spader was anymore and now the dude turned up in Blacklist yeah and all of a sudden everybody knows who he is again which is a great thing I've been a Spader fan for a long time but then they, they and they took his character they basically removed his voice from Blacklist and put it into <laughs> Ultron they did actually. And, yeah. It was genius. It was a genius bit of casting, and I was. It was probably the thing I was most excited for. Yeah. You know, but by this point, like you say, well, what, what's this film number eleven? You know, 
the, the smash bang and wallop of, of Marvel films doesn't get me that excited anymore because I've seen 10 of them already. Yeah. So you need to do something a little bit different. And the, and when they, you know, they grabbed my attention with Spader and I thought it was a genius move. And I thought that was the, probably the best thing they'd done about this film. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, of all the things I came out thinking, I mean, it's funny, like, when we came out the cinema, you know, I was talking to all my friends about it. And a lot of them were talking about how Ultron wasn't 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 great and all that. And I said, you know what, Ultron, I think is the best thing about this entire film. You know, I, I came out really, really, and I, and the second time round, I was watching it and thinking, okay, that plot wise, there are there are issues with it all, but in terms of the character, he's he's brilliant because for a start, I mean, one one of the big things that struck me watching it again was that there's a lot more of the of the classic kind of Joss Whedon writing in this film than I remember there being, mo- mo- as, as, almost as much as in the first Avengers, actually. There's lots yeah. of good lines, there's lots of one-liners, there's lots of throwaway jokes, there's lots of idiosyncratic kind of moments and beats of, of you know, Whedon-esque humour. I mean, one that really stands out for me that I laughed a lot at the first time round, and I laughed again, was um, at the very beginning, Baron von Stryker saying to his men, no surrender! And then he turns to the other guy and goes, I'm going to surrender. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was, that's just perfect Whedon that's exactly Joss Whedon it's the kind of thing that very few other people can do that complete sort of quick inversion with comedy of something and and yeah. Ultron's full of that Ultron has all those kind of affectations in that he'll come out with quirky lines and you know he'll say things and go oh I'm sorry uh, oh I'll just sorry I, I, I took your arm off but you know and it's it's lots of uh, you know he, he is I was talking about it to my girlfriend as we were watching it. You know, he is he is like a childlike version of Tony Stark. Yeah. Who is warped and twisted. And I I just think I just thought he was really really well done. I mean, I will be honest, I don't I I think there are issues with what they do with Ultron, and I think there are issues with some of Ultron's writing. I think it's a bit it's a bit all over the shop, but obviously we'll get to that when we get to what we don't like or what they yeah. did wrong. Uh, I, there, there are, while he is definitely the best bit, and he is fantastic, and Spader, via just voice, acts his ass off in this film. Yeah, I, you know, he is amazing. But there are definitely issues with it. But he is very funny, uh, and you know, his character is very funny in a way. That's where one of my problems lies, though. I think, you know, but yeah, he was just, he was amazing, absolutely amazing. And I just, I kind of. I wanted him to have a better character by the time I left the film. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted him to be, uh, you know, I wanted him to be doing the voice of Thanos so I knew he was going to be coming back. Because <laughs> I feel gutted that I'm not going to see him in another uh, Avengers movie. <laughs> it, it is a shame. It is a shame. At least he's got one great one and done, I suppose. But they do have this great way of, they, especially for their bigger films, so they're picking amazing bad guys. Yeah. You know, you know, Tom Hiddleston as Loki in, a, in two of them was just awesome. And now, you know, we've got Spader in this one. And, oh crap, who is it doing Thanos? Uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, thank you. Yeah. And he's a spectacular actor. Mm. And he's he's the same kind of, he's got that voice for really kind of maniacal evil. And I'm I'm quite looking forward to seeing where he takes that. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be very, very much sort of all over-the-top melodrama. Which... Yeah. Which will mean it's a different context in terms of villainy because Loki was very, you know, um, smug and, and and everything in the first Avengers, and you 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 took pleasure out of him getting smacked down and 
you know, being um, beaten down by all these guys, really, even though he was unleashing hell. And then you, yeah. in this one, Ultron, what's really good about about him, and I think it, this is, this is even though, yeah, there are a lot of problems, there are plot problems, I agree, with Ultron. But I think the thematically, I think this film is good. I think thematically, it understands what it's trying to do and, and what it's trying to say. Yeah. And I think... The bigger problem that we will get to in a bit is that it gets lost under the machine of Marvel. And I think that what Joss Whedon originally had and what the kind of thing he wanted to do, I think, ended up becoming chewed up. But there are, but there I, are bits in I there. I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those things that I would really, really like. But because it's Marvel, we never will. I'd love to see a director's cut of this film. I'd love to know what Joss Whedon wanted to do with it because there are, there are some, some quite severe pacing issues yeah and you know where where it seems like quite obviously we'll get to this in a bit but obviously where quite important bits have been left on the editing room floor because marvel didn't want them there yeah i, I imagine there's a director's cut in his head you know quite yeah. quite a good one actually because i mean he's recently come out hasn't he joss whedon and, and, and a year on um and admitted that it's not quite the film he wanted it to be and there were mistakes and the sad thing is that he's and it, it could be a little bit of being quite self-deprecating and and, and everything, but he's kind of sort of putting the blame on himself and saying, you know, it was me. And I don't think that that's true at all. I think, I think it was very much that he, I mean, he's, he's commented, he commented in during the press tour of this, that it nearly killed him and that you could tell there were things, there were issues and he was playing the game, you know, as they do. Yeah. Didn't he look exhausted he looked, at the end of the press yeah, tour for this? He looked fucking destroyed by yeah. <laughs> And it was, uh, and it's because I think he just spent a year or two of just battling with, Marvel, and I'm, you know, I'm not having a go at Marvel. I'm not having a go at Kevin Feige because I really like them all. I think, I think overall they get it right. But I think the problem that this film had overall was that it was too much feeding a greater beast, and that's why when you do get the good bits in it and you do get the things they cling on to, they are a little bit rarer. I mean, a good example is is Hawkeye. You know, all that Hawkeye stuff is just Whedon. Yeah, you can you can tell that you know he he, he reacted to the fact that Hawkeye didn't get a lot to do in the first Avengers. Which a lot of people moaned about it as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and, and me, me included, to be fair. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he was he was almost tokenistic in that one, and it's it's good that he becomes the human anchor to a very to an increasingly over the top, and you know, when you start getting characters like the Vision come in, I mean, you're talking, yeah. you are very much going into very very comic book territory, you know, very, well, very... You're, you're close to X-Men levels of yeah. fantasy, aren't you? Yeah, ex- fantasy, that's exactly it, yeah. You were getting much more into the fantasy levels of it, you know, the big space-bound fantasy levels. And Marvel has always tried to keep one foot on the ground with these kind of things. Even things yeah. like Thor, you know, there's always tended to be that human element where you've got characters like Jane and all these guys there, although it'd be different for Ragnarok. I mean, I the, the thing with, with Thor that made it such a great film and actually, like you say, grounded it in... in some form of reality was the fact that it for the first half it was a fish out of water film you know well, it, yeah. it was a guy that had no clue what he was doing in our world kind of film yeah and you know it grounded it in as much as we sat there laughing at him being a you know the world's worst tourist what Whedon I think understands with Thor as a good example better than anybody else certainly the director you know even Kenneth Branagh who did a good job with Thor and especially Alan Taylor who did not a good job with the dark world but what none of them seem to understand is how Thor is much better when he's A, played for comedy, and B, not leading the film himself. It's one of those things that Whedon just understands a lot of these these character points, like he understood with Hawkeye and, and the family element and, and grounding him and making him very human. 
And I think the character points in this film, on the whole, I think work well. And I, and I, it's just, it's the bigger plot mechanics that really let this down. I think if if you were, you know, I remember him saying a year ago that when he was talking about the film, he was talking about how it was a much more intimate film. And I, I watched it yesterday and I was thinking about that and thinking, I can understand to some extent, but on the other extent, I think, because he said that before they were filming or when they were filming. And I don't think that when he said that comment, I don't think the film we saw is that film he's talking about. No, I think in, in that in that point you get like Hawkeye's cabin is definitely that kind of thing. The uh, when we're all sitting around pre-party, just chatting and trying to pick up Thor's hammer, you know that that kind of stuff. Mm. That that's very very intimate and more more drama and 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 scene setting than than action. And that's the and I mean I don't know an awful lot about Joss Whedon's stuff. I'm I didn't watch Buffy or Angel or Firefly religiously when it was on. It just happened when it happened to be on the BBC. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know an awful lot about his work, but you can see that like he really likes that kind of stuff. He yeah. writes it very well and he directs it very well. So he manages to have a room filled, you know, a room filled with people in a giant circle and you can, you can see all of them. They've all got a, a, a part in this little role in this little scene they've all got something to say and everything just feels fluid and yeah that i think those really intimate scenes are some of the best scenes in this film oh yeah definitely the the, the, the thing with joss whedon is and you know i'm relatively new to him in the sense that i only watched buffy and angel about three or four years ago i binged it in a few months and i you know after years of friends of mine telling me that i should watch it and being big whedon fans and it was after the avengers and i thought wow this guy is really good you know and i you know, and I got to know a lot more of his stuff. But really, he at heart, Joss Whedon's a character director. You know, he's he. I think he'd be much happier actually getting smaller films about characters and, and dialogue. And and you know, he'd make a good playwright. He's got a he's got a real flair for language. But he kind of almost fell into being this a list mega blockbuster director. You know, he'd spent years. Joss Whedon had spent years battling with everybody to try and get films made and tv series made the amount of film the amount of tv series that he could have done that he had cancelled you know he was firefly everyone talks about being an amazing series that did that was cancelled too early he tried to make wonder woman like 10 15 years ago and nobody would let him you know the man has battled for years oh, yeah i mean <laughs> i had no idea he tried to do wonder woman. oh yeah he, he's he, he, joss whedon's wonder woman he's the great one of the great superhero movies we're never going to see Regardless of how, how the Wonder Woman film next year will be, Joss Whedon's would have been better. You know, there's no question about that. He, you know, he's one of these guys who the Avengers almost felt like he's he's what he deserved for so long. You know, of, of suffering and battling yeah. with, with studio executives who you know don't know their ass from their elbow. So he got in the Avengers. Obviously, was brilliant. You know, I've said before. I think it's the Star Wars of its generation. The Avengers. I think I think it's tremendous entertainment. But this was always going to be difficult, I think, because you're following that film for a start, yeah, and you're in the middle of a machine, and I, and and, yeah. and trying to find that intimacy and trying to find those character points. In the end, I don't think he does it. No, no, I and I I don't know if it's him. I don't think it's his writing. I, I'm almost certain it's not his directing, but it's definitely the guy breathing down his neck that's caused most of that. Mm. Well then, in which case we've we've talked we've touched on a couple. Well, we touched on things that we liked, and then we've ended up going to things we didn't. 
<laughs> which is because this and this is that this is why this film is flawed and actually needs fixing because every time you come up with a good thing it leads to a bad one and that's yeah. that's a very telling thing you know so let's move on to what the film does wrong then and so what would you say that in age of ultron what is the biggest problem that this film has it, the biggest problem it has for me actually is the same as it's is the thing it does best it's it's bad guy I think they've ruined Ultron. So here's here's the thing with Ultron. Well, here's my theory on Ultron. And I don't... Again, you have to remember, I don't read the comic books. I've never read uh, uh, an Avengers or any of the connected series comic books. I go in as a film fan and that's it. So I don't know if this is what Ultron looks like in the comics or anything. This is just how I saw it when, when I went to see the film. And the problem is, while they've got this really cool guy doing this really cool voice work, I don't think they knew quite what they wanted to do with Ultron once they turned him into this almost unstoppable being. When he's making jokes, that's really cool and he's really funny. And he's also kind of really... Like when he takes uh, Andy Serkis's arm off. Yeah. It's quite a nasty thing to do, especially in a 12-rated comic book film. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's accidentally ripped this guy's arm off and he's like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry and i tell you what it, if they'd have done it better it would have been heath ledger's joker mm. and that's what i think they needed they needed that if you're going to make him funny or if you're going to make it make him really kind of darkly funny and i know i'm going to take so much shit for using the word dark when it comes to a marvel film <laughs> because you really shouldn't uh but i do think that Ultron is a bad guy because he is essentially unstoppable until you get the the Deus Ex Machina levels of good guy like the Vision. Yeah, you know, until you get that, Ultron is not this unstoppable bad guy. I want him to be either a. This makes me sound really bad. I want him to be more violent. I want him to be nastier. Because he's killing people and taking joy in doing it. You know, he shouldn't be cracking jokes while he's doing it unless he's the Joker. I I would say to that, I think that the reason that he's doing that is because there are components of Tony in him. And I think think the the point, this is the big difference with Ultron, you see. This This is the big... One of the biggest changes is that Tony Stark doesn't create Ultron in the comics. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not a comic book fan either. Like, I don't dislike comic books. I've just never read them really. So, I've, I'm the same as you. I've never read Avengers comic books. I don't, I don't have any comic lore knowledge except what I've picked up over time and what I've read into it and I've, I've looked into it. Yeah. And the big, the big thing is that yeah, Tony Stark didn't create Ultron at all in the comics. Ultron was created by Hank Pym, who is, of course, played by Michael Douglas in Ant Man. I was going to say, yeah, Michael Douglas in Ant-Man. Yeah, and obviously Hank Pym is the original Ant-Man. And uh, he's also yeah. the, you know, the um, one of the great scientists of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, and he creates Ultron. This was in the 60s when the first comic book came out. He creates Ultron based on his own brain patterns. Okay. Yeah, and uh, then the robot develops its own intelligence, rebels, and stuff happens from there, really. And, you know, there, are, there are, I think there are elements taken from that original story and put into this to an extent like there's a very early on in one of the the first appearances he brainwashes Jarvis the the obviously Jarvis was a a human character in the original comics he wasn't a a software as he is in Iron Man and he brainwashes Jarvis into working for him so there are you know they obviously adapted that to have Jarvis become incorporated into him 
And in the end, Ultron actually creates the Vision as a weapon to destroy the yeah. Avengers in the comics. So, in, and obviously in this case, he ends yeah. up creating the Vision out of you know what he's trying to do, whatever that is. And then, <laughs> as you've said, it's not really clear. Yeah. So there, there are important changes made with Ultron, which I think were intentionally trying to set up the idea that he is this twisted, almost child. You know, the whole idea of him being this artificial intelligence, it's almost secondary to the fact that he's this twisted sort of child of Tony, born with through Tony Stark's egotistical belief that he can save the world and that he can protect the world. I think the point of Ultron is that yeah. it's Tony's hubris given okay. form, really. The thing is, I mean, I've got this, I I really, I love, like, twisted, like, really, really black comic bad guys. You know? Yeah. People, you know, they crack jokes as they're pulling heads off, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. you go, oh, that was really funny, but I shouldn't have laughed at that kind of thing. And that was, that's kind of the, you get hints of that with Ultron, and you, you get, you know, like I said, like with ripping off Andy Serkis, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm sure we can fix that. You know, I just, yeah. I laughed my ass off. I thought it was great. But I wanted more of that. Yeah, yeah. And especially with that guy doing the voice, because that guy is the, has the yeah. ultimate maniacal voice for it. It just, it's. I felt really disappointed in what I ended up with. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you weren't the only one. I think, I think a lot of people felt that with Ultron. I think I think I I agree in the sense of of quite what his ultimate plan ended up being because I don't think that was really I don't think that was really as clear or as interesting as it could have been. He ended he ended up that was absolutely thrown in at yeah. the end of filming, going, "Oh, we need we need to quickly do this," because no one knew what they would do. Yeah, well, exactly. They needed, you know, in this film, you know, there's there's a few pro- the bit one of the big problems is the ending and that it, it it ends up becoming the classic Marvel ending where something is falling onto something else you know that, that that's been something they've done for for a lot of films now it's this same kind of yeah. something some area some places in peril something's about to fall on something else they're all in the middle of it there's explosions going on there's all kinds of stuff and it you know it happened in thor the dark world it happened in guardians of the galaxy it happened in winter soldier in different ways but it's the same essential idea that that last massive set yeah. piece that's supposed to make you know put everyone in peril but actually it's just it's a giant cgi fest. yes Exactly, and and the, that's where it ended up building to. And Ultron, obviously, you know, he ends up having this complete sort of robot army that he's, you know, sending armies into battle against the Avengers. It's just like at that point, I just thought I don't care anymore. And I remember, I remember caring when the ending of the Avengers was going on. You know, the first Avengers had all that stuff. It had all all alien things flying through New York, and it had tons of CGI, and it had the big, you know, but it also had things like that big alien sort of snake thing that comes out of the the space and then you've got the moments where hulk goes i'm always angry and punches it and that kind of thing was just even in the middle of all this chaos things that make you cheer as it happens it was just the best thing in the world it was just one of those rousing kind of it was uh, you know to use the example i I said earlier it's it's the luke destroys the death star moment you know it's that same kind of euphoria you get you're like yes you know and that's the point when they start to win and it's it, it 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 doesn't have that. It ends up just becoming this big, massive CGI, and it loses what it's what it's about. It's just all there's a GIF that I put on the um, the pick a flick page of them in the middle of the like the I don't know how best to describe it the the circular room. Church. Yeah, the yeah, church. They use a church, isn't it? Oh, that, that that bit. That's Jesus Christ. Someone not long after the film came out, uh, 
and I don't know how many people this would actually that that listen to this would would get what I'm saying. But do you know what horde mode is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. So you literally you you and a buddy stand in one place and just keep fighting off things until you can't fight anymore. Yeah. And someone described it as the Avengers horde mode, <laughs> and I've watched Age of Ultron three or four times since then, and that's all I can see. Yeah. Like just of the Avengers playing Gears of War for real. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. <laughs> it just it, it's ruined that scene completely for yeah, me. Yeah. Because that all that's all it's turned into. Just keep fighting the things. Yeah. And and that and that sums it up, right? Keep fighting the things. They you know it, it, they just became things in the end. They just became. It, it was just altering going. I'm going to send an army and all this, and it, and it's just and and they just they just fighting them off. And you're like, well, when when's this going to end? And then you try to have the emotional you know point of quicksilver being shot yet everyone thought he was a bell end anyway and nobody cares right because there's yeah. a better quicksilver that fox are doing with x-men anyway so see yeah. you're not bothered yeah <laughs> so there's no you know i mean i'm glad they didn't but if they'd have killed hawkeye that would have fucking hurt well yeah that would have been there would have been the uh the emotional thing you needed for that precise point in the film what you get instead is you get the uh oh what's the word for it like redemption of yeah. the villains that we've hated for the last <laughs> hour and a half. You know, he he redeems himself and then they kill yeah. him. So you're supposed to care and then be sad all in that three seconds yeah. that you notice that that's happening. Exactly. So I mean, I mean, killing Hawkeye for the film would have been better, or, or as much as it would have pissed me yeah. off. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> it would have been, because it, like you said, it, it was teed up. I mean, it, Joss Whedon, this is the thing, he was intentionally trying to lead us down that path to the point where we thought he was going to die. The moment where I, he, he had the family introduced, I thought, oh dear, right? He's, he's got yeah. happiness in his life. This surely means, yeah. and, it, and, and you know, everyone would go, well, if anyone's dispensable, he, it's him, surely, of all of them. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have his own solo film and career. He made us all feel like a bunch of bastards for caring for him as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you, you know, you care about him and then suddenly he's gone. But and 
So and and yeah. Joss Whedon, I think intention. Well, the thing is, what I wonder is, did that was that originally his plan, and did Marvel go actually you you can't kill Hawkeye, you can't do it right because he, <laughs> because he's, we need him later, and then you you can just imagine yeah. him having to rewrite that. So then he has to kill Quicksilver. I don't know. There's just little things where I just think this is where I think his vision was compromised, and I think yeah. Yeah, and the biggest one, the biggest, and this is my biggest problem with this film, is the fact that every, it's got so much teeing up the future that it forgets to become a film in its own right. The, yep. the, the original Avengers didn't have any of that. The original Avengers is its own film that climaxes three or four films before it beautifully and then yep. puts things in place where you know that the stories can continue. Brilliant. Great stuff. Yeah. Well, now, we have, now we have a starting point for Phase 2. So phase 2. All of Phase 1 has rolled up. We've got to yeah. the end of Phase 1. Avengers is done. And now Phase 2 starts from that point. Precisely. Not, not teeing up the next 12 films <laughs> during that point. Exactly. It's almost uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 syndrome. Yeah. Which is just a two-hour-long PowerPoint for what Sony <laughs> want to do. <laughs> For the next four films, four films they're never going to make as well. That's that's the, that's the ultimate irony of that. They tried to advertise their next four films in this film. Everyone went, yeah, but it, the film you made was a piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> and we're not going to watch it. Yeah, why would we want to watch the four that you want to do when this was crap? And the, and this, and, you yeah. know, Age of Ultron isn't nearly as bad as Amazing Spider-Man Two. Oh no, 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 no! And please, fanboys, please don't hurt me. I, I, that's not. No, I, I know, I that's not what you're saying. But your point, <laughs> but, your point is, is but the yeah. point is, it, it acts like that yeah. for for maybe the, at least the final act, while all hell is breaking loose. It plays as a don't forget about these people. They're coming back later. Don't forget about these people. We're doing these guys next. And as a, just stop it. Just in, let us enjoy the film. And then start rolling out stories at the beginning of phase three. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the first ten minutes, you know, and I like the opening sequence. You know, as Whedon described it as like his Bond movie kind of pre-credit sequence. You know, with lots of action and stuff. You know, you get that really great moment where they're they're all leaping into the fray, and you have that slow mo shot, which is the same one as the as the pan around in the original Avengers, where which always gives me goosebumps. Yeah, it's not as effective, but it's a nice little moment. You know, and that all that's great. You know, that first opening ten minutes is pretty good, but then even in that, you have to have the scene where. I think it's uh, Tony touches the 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 spectre. I think it is, and then he uh, he gets yeah. the vision of what he, which which is blatantly either the cliffhanger of Infinity War or one of the major moments in Infinity War where they're all on Thanos's rock in space and they're all dead yeah. or dying, and then he gets that vision and that's like well, you know I'm all I'm all for foreshadowing you know and I love TV shows I love TV shows and I love movies where you always get hints about what's to come I really do you know I've I've always loved that stuff you know. It, yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't have enjoyed Lost like I did if I didn't like that kind of shit. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, Fringe done something very similar. Yeah. When you sat and watched Fringe, it was always it was like every episode had just a little hint of what might be coming. Sure, and you know, and especially as the seasons went on, you always had that. You know, oh, so is this gonna? And literally, like me and the missus would sit and spend ages talking about. Well, this bit's got to come back at some point, and this bit's going to happen here. And I love that stuff. I just. If it brings the conversation outside of just the 45 minutes that you're watching the show or the two hours you're watching the film, I think it's a great thing to do. But yeah, it was it shouldn't have been there, well, I, I don't I, think. It was too early I think in it was film. too early in the film, but I think that the problem you've got in, in doing it in a film like this is that you're, you're attempting to tee up half a dozen other things in a film that is supposed to be a conclusion to something you've been building towards. You know, I mean, the whole, the whole thing of Age of Ultron was... 
and it becomes a side point. But you, a Winter Soldier, teed up the the Hydra stuff, which yeah. which was dealt with quite a lot in in Agents of Shield. If anyone if anyone watches that, which I'm not sure they do, and but they still they, yes, they still keep renewing that. it weirdly. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know. The Hydra stuff has never really been done properly, I don't think, in anything, really, it, it, properly. Because in the film, it's skipped over. You know, the first 10 minutes, Baron von Stroger, who is such an interesting character from from the things I've read, and that he's completely yeah. just tossed aside, right, you know, in order to get us to the point where we get Ultron. And one of the major th- things running through Phase 2 was this Hydra thing. And it's it's just swept away so you can get to the whole idea of the event. You know, the Avengers getting to this point where they haven't got the resources they had with S.H.I.E.L.D., but but you wouldn't really notice any difference because Tony Stark's got more money than Shield probably anyway, so he can do it all. And then so there's not yeah. really any demonst- demonstrable feeling that they that they're in trouble or that they don't have resources really, you know. And then by the end they've got this beautiful new base and everything's honky dory, you know. And it's like, well, <laughs> how do we get there? It feels like really big things were skipped. And then in the middle of that, you've got all the stuff that's that's suggesting. Ragnarok in there when you see Idris Elba as Heimdall, you know, suggesting that you've got, you know, you've got like I say hints to Infinity War. You've got you've got all this. You've got hints to Civil War, a big hint to Civil War when when Tony and Captain America fight each other in Ultron's lab. Yeah, and that's the first instance that you go, oh, okay, this is leading towards that, isn't it? But you think I'm all the way. I'm thinking, why aren't I? Why aren't you giving me the film this? Why aren't you giving me Age of Ultron? Stop trying to give me all the others that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. It, it feels like they're still treated, even though we're at this point eleven films in. It still feels like they're treating us like idiots that aren't following the plot. Yeah. And w- which is, I mean, it's a little bit insulting at this point. You know, even even if I wasn't going in as as a film fan, if I was just going in as somebody that wanted to watch the latest Marvel films, even I'd be, you know, even your more moronic viewer would be able to keep up at this point. You you don't need to telegraph everything. There's just no need for it. There's not, and and all this is done at the expense of certain things as well, like Thor. I mean, he just literally disappears off screen for about forty minutes, turns up in a cave with Salvig with no build up, and then the, he gets visions about the Infinity Stones and completely blatantly teeing up Phase Three. Complete. I mean, that, that the Infinity Stones had no b- business being in this film. I don't think at all. You know, no. and it's just you, you're there going well. I mean, the, 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 one of the biggest things with this, in terms of this production, is there's a lot with Thor that ended up on the cutting room floor. A lot in yeah. terms of that journey and and how, what he goes through, which is, I think, really bad in terms of how Whedon probably had to do this and edit this together. I don't think for one minute any of that Thor stuff was in his, in his original script at all. No. Or no, because well, I mean, if every single fan, and we, I think at this point. We're talking to everybody that saw this film went, what the fuck was yeah. that? Yeah. And more importantly, what the fuck was the point in that? Yeah. You know, if everybody that went to see it said that, absolutely Joss Whedon said that. And almost certainly Chris Hemsworth went, what? <laughs> Skinny dipping? Why? Yeah. You know, let's kill the giant AI robot thing. We can figure out the swimming pool thing yeah. later. You know, that's that's absolutely uh, film by committee. Yeah, a bunch of morons that don't know how to make films, directing how films should yeah, be made. Absolutely, it, it's it's not quite as obsequious as the 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 moment in the middle of Batman versus Superman where Bruce Wayne gets his vision about all that stuff. That's just 
horrendous. But this isn't far behind because it, it, it's the kind of stuff no. that should be in your post-credit sequence if you're going to have one. You know, you could have had an entire yeah. post-credit bit where Thor ends up going to a cave and sees all this stuff. You know, and so th- there's just a lot there that that I just think it's at the it's at the expense of telling a really good sequel story that has concluded all of all of the build up. So that's where we were, where it went wrong. The big question, Andrew, is how do we fix it? How do we make Age of Ultron the film that we deserved? What's the first thing you would do to change it? You give Joss Whedon final cut. <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not stupid. I understand that with Marvel films and with any kind of franchise of that size, your director, unless he invented the franchise, is never going to get final cut. But but don't bring back the director that made the Avengers. You know, uh, Avengers Assemble, whatever you want to call it. Don't bring back the guy that made you more than a billion dollars with a film that was clearly his vision, for the most part. I mean, obviously there was Marvel going, but can you put this bit in, please? You know? But don't bring that guy back and then tie one hand behind his back. Mm. You know, Don't bring that guy back, the guy that made you all that money, the guy that clearly knew what he was doing, the guy that could sew together a great film and go, but no, you're not allowed to do anything. When you get to that point, you may as well have hired me to do it. <laughs> Well, I think I think you're selling yourself a bit short there. I think you do a damn good job, but like... well, you know, I'd have Marvel telling me what to do. I would do not that much worse than Joss Whedon. <laughs> but I think that the thing is, I think you're right. If if ever you were going to give a director the trust to have a final cut, it's someone like Joss Whedon. You know, the the, yep. the man is is genuinely one of the greatest creatives working in Hollywood. You know, he he really is. In terms of, of of what he can do with character and what he can do with 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 depth, you know, and what he and what he can actually say that touches a a, a very you know pop culture zeitgeist chord. I mean, you know, he, Buffy isn't for everybody, but it, it's one of those things that's lingered in pop culture. You know, it's lingered in the mind, even though it's twenty years old now and some. Yeah, and it, you know, not many people can do that. You know, it's and the Avengers again. Avengers is, is going to be remembered as one of the greatest you know, blockbusters of, of, our, of our age, really, and probably one yeah. of the great, if not the greatest superhero movie, you know, and that is no mean feat, and it is something that is... I think the only other person, though, not, not you know, not to constantly hark on the same guy, but the only other person that's anywhere close to that in TV and film is J.J. Abrams. Well, yeah. Look, look at what he's done, and he, he was very similar. He had, you know, a shitload of TV shows 20 years ago, or maybe not 20 for Alias. Well, it's getting on, 15 now for yeah. Alias, yeah. Yeah, so you know he had the butler, and he was given a couple of films. What did he do? He made Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, and he took the third film in what should have been at this point a rubbished-out franchise, and made it great. Yeah, you know, and look what he's done since. You know, the man's brought back Star Trek. He's brought back Star Wars. You know, because people give him his film, and he, they say, you know, especially for something like Star Wars, Disney will have gone. You have to stick to these rules, but outside of that, do your thing. Yeah, and that's clearly what hasn't happened with Age of Ultron. They've gone to Whedon and gone, "I don't care what you've done last time. We need this, and this is what we're going to get." Mm. You know, at which point you could have got any old TV pilot director to do it because if you're going to ha- you're going to hold their hand that much, doesn't matter whose names at the end of the credits. 
and, and you know there there have been there have been many talk there's been a lot of talk about how Marvel have 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 not have clashed with a lot of the directors you know John Favreau even though he's you know he's still liked by them and he's still got a good relationship with Marvel there was a point where that was really stretched like six years ago with, with Iron Man two which again yeah. was a similar you know, to some extent a similar story in that. You know, the first Iron Man, I will stand by being one of the best Marvel films. I think it's great. He did a really good job. He set the template of what Marvel is. You know, without that film, there would be no MCU, you know. Well, this is it. I mean, you want to talk about a man that invented the franchise. Yeah, it's, he, it's he, pretty... he rescued Marvel, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, John Favreau deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what this is now. And then Iron Man 2 rolls along, and it's a very, it's one of the worst Marvel films. And there's a good up, good chance that, it's because of, of of meddling as we as we went into phase two and uh, phase one. Uh, you know, a lot of it was him. You know, and he's come out as saying, you know, he 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 struggled on that film because it wasn't. I don't think the film he wanted fully to make, and it's been a repeating pattern ever since. Yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it? So, I mean, we had the two films one after the other with Marvel, didn't we? We had Age of Ultron, and then again, quite famously, we had Ant Man, whose director walked away. Yeah. You know, a, a I mean, great director as well. You know, a really good director. Oh yeah, yeah, a really good director. I mean, I, I don't buy into the. Oh, we only saw a bit of Edgar Wright's vision. I wasn't on the film set. I don't know how much of it is what Edgar Wright done and how much of it is what the other guy done. But they did lose a very good director. And I mean, luckily, Ant Man, for better or worse, you know, it was a really good film. I really liked yeah, Ant Man. Yeah, Ant Man was great actually. Yeah, but I, I do think that a big part of me loving Ant Man so much is I'd just come out of Age of Ultron and gone, <laughs> "Fuck Marvel." <laughs> well, the thing is, every, everyone thought it would be the other way around. Everyone thought Age of Ultron was going to be awesome, and then Ant Man was going to be bloody awful because of all the production yeah. stuff that we'd heard. And as it turned out, I wouldn't say Age of Ultron is bloody awful, but it was the reverse in the sense that people, a lot of people, came out of Age of Ultron and went, "Ugh." And then they went into Ant Man and, and went. Actually, that was bloody good. That was that was a lot better yeah. than we expected from a guy who doesn't really have a lot. Peyton Reed didn't have a really lot, a lot behind him beforehand. No, but they let to a point. They've let them go back to, the, you know, each Marvel film has its sub genre, if you like. And you know, this is a it's a Marvel film, but it's a heist film, you know. And they let it be a heist film, and it was a lot of fun for it. And you know, it had a really cool cast. Yeah, you know, I I really enjoyed Ant Man. Yeah, um, a lot more. Than, you know, even before Age of Ultron, when when I saw, I think a lot of people had the same thing. You know, you know, Age of Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Ant Man at the end of Phase Two. Like, wait, what? Yeah, why? Yeah, you know, and and this is the, you know, and this is just after Guardians of the Galaxy, where Marvel have literally looked at us and gone. We can sell you fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, so, but we're all still going, really, Ant-Man, how are we going to do that? And I have to admit, you know, the the, the trailer the uh, with the super special reveal for Cap 3 that also has Ant-Man in it, I was like, oh, wow, I forgot he was coming back for this. Yeah. And actually, that looks kind of cool. And I'm it really does. looking forward. To it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing Paul Rudd in Captain America. Yeah, that'll be fun. And I, I think that the, the big thing with Civil War will be having the benefit in terms of this this point, having the benefit of the Russos, who are who who are very obviously really they're now the stewards of Phase Three, really because well, yeah, they've been handed Infinity War exactly. As well, they? So they they are in the middle now of writing Infinity War. So they will have, they they basically would have crafted Civil War. 
with Infinity War in mind, which means that you're likely to get a lot more of their their path being a lot more fluid, which is perhaps one of the reasons why Civil War is getting good notices because they've managed to work what they want to do into it. You know, and originally yeah. the, the you know the plot of Civil War wasn't going to be Civil War at all. You know, they they come up with a completely different idea that I think was much more centered around um, Cap Cap's you know search for Bucky and all that stuff that that Winter Soldier leaves on the table. And then Kevin yeah. Feige came in one day into the office and went, "I've got two words for you: Civil War." And they went, "Ooh," because they knew that that yeah. was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Marvel story ever. And well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'd, I'd heard of that long before I started watching the films. Exactly, just but, through talking to other people. But clearly, they had Civil War in mind when it was when they were making Age of Ultron. Because I think in the in, originally, I think they wanted Joss Whedon to do the three Avengers films. I think the idea was that he would have stuck around and he would have he would have crafted Phase Three and crafted Infinity War. And I think that that he what he perhaps didn't want to do the same kind of plan that, that Marvel did. And I think he, he then realised that his vision was compromised and that he, I mean, bloody hell, given Age of Ultron nearly killed him, I think event, Infinity War, two Infinity War films would have done. I mean, the Russos yeah. have talked about the, the, the scope and complexity of what they're writing. They said, this is, this is off the chart. They said, what we're actually well, trying to I do mean, with these films is, is insane. So, you know. Well, I mean, even from from where we are at the moment, they've got to... In the next like three or four films, they've got to take everything that we get at the end of Civil War and then roll everything up from here via Doctor Strange and however they're going to introduce that, plus Guardians because they're all involved as well. Mm. You know, somehow they've got to take all that and get it into okay, get it into two films. We'll get it into one four and a half, five hour film, and it not be shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You know, and and that's I think a that's a big ask. I think you you can put it all together easily, yeah. But can you put it all together and make it watchable? Well, yeah. I think it's tough, and and I'll 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 happily admit, you know, that I am going into Civil War. I'm really excited for Civil War, but I am going into it a little bit skeptical, mainly because and I don't. If people have been avoiding trailers at this point, you have to be careful about what you say. We you know super duper secret. uh cameo from sony turning up in this film <laughs> I, I think you know. i think if, if you don't know what that means everybody you are living under a rock somewhere <laughs> you, very but you know what i mean I, but yeah 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 I, but the, but this this particular character has appeared in the final trailer for civil war and that's it mm. i no one knows out apart from the people that were in the film no one's got any idea at what point in production it was okayed for that character to be there and if it's been shoehorned in, that could be a problem. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying for a second it will be, and I'm going in, like I say, as blank as I can, and I'm, I'm not going in hyped, because again, I think that actually was another one of Age of Ultron's biggest problems, the fact that it didn't stop showing me fucking adverts for it for a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no escaping the hype for Age of Ultron. It was everywhere. Yeah, and you know, by the time you actually got to watching it, apart from the fact I felt like I'd seen most of the film mm. with the eleven and a half trailers they put out. Anyway, you know, so so I'm going into Civil War pretty blank, only having seen the trailers that have been on at the cinema. You know, I'm I'm hopeful, and I'm not going in already hating it because of this, but I do think that is a concern. Yeah, you no, know, I think mainly because of Marvel's now track record 
with characters. But I think I think the the problems that the Age of Ultron has are fixable. You know, I, I think really the. I wouldn't necessarily change this sequel. You know, the, the, there could be other stories you could have done instead of instead of Age of Ultron itself. But I think Ultron as a, as a story and as a character is interesting. I think, like I said, I like the thematic side of it. I like I like what it's trying to say. I like I like the idea that it's starting to actually build divisions within the team. I like the idea that the ideologies are changing. I like the idea that you know you've got Tony going through this this period of of understanding that he can't save the world and he's you know, it's it's about character. A lot of it ultimately is about characters who who begin to realise they're too they're too much of a risk. You know, the Hulk is another one. You know, at the end he goes off because he realises he's too much of a risk. One of the great moments in this film is the Hulkbuster fight, which is you know, um, it, it, it's it's really good. You know, it comes across really good. Gotta sleep, gotta sleep, gotta sleep, gotta sleep. There's lots of really good moments in that. See, I'm I'm so cynical about the the Hulkbuster fight. The Hulkbuster fight would have been really cool if they hadn't put it in the damn trailer. Well. Again, it's that it's that whole reason why I'm the same as you. I avoid trailers now, like the wind, like the plague. I remember watching Deadpool, and there was a trailer for Batman vs Superman, and I literally sat there. Everyone thought I was insane. I sat there, fingers in ears, rocking with my yeah. eyes closed, and my girlfriend was a bit embarrassed because our friends were there with me. And she went, "What are you doing?" I said, "I can't see it." Because it tells me too much, <laughs> and I would yeah. rather look like a lunatic in the middle of a cinema than be spoiled by cynical trailers. Yeah. See, Deadpool was a good one for me because I saw two trailers for Deadpool and they were the same trailer. They were the green band and red band trailer that they were showing in the cinema. That was the only one I'd seen uh, before they were showing in flicks. It was the only only one I'd seen that appeared on my Twitter feed or whatever. And I went in literally knowing that two and a half minutes and knowing a little bit about, obviously, because we all know a little bit about the production of the film and how how much of a pain in the ass it was. Mm. I managed to go in completely blank and the film was so much better for it, you know. I'm kind of sabotaging myself as well because I'm watching everything Suicide Squad I can find <laughs> because I'm so pumped for that film. Well, you relayed that, <laughs> but yeah. it, but it is it is part of it, you know. The hype and the and the amount they give away does it does affect the film when when it's released and. Compound that with the the problems in the story, the fact that it's that in Age of Ultron it's too crowded. Ultron's ultimate aims are a bit nebulous in the end. The whole the whole creation of the Vision, much as the Vision is quite cool, it's set up very much to feel like you know putting in place the Infinity Stones. I would to, I would completely get rid of the Infinity Stones. Whether or not I'd have the Vision, I don't know. Maybe not. I'd scrap all that. I'd get rid of all the Infinity Stone stuff, and I would make it much more about Ultron's attempt to you know, either destroy humanity or take control of humanity in order to, you know, maybe not take control of humanity because that's what that's what Loki did in the Avengers or we wanted to do, you know, with yeah. mind control, but maybe destroy humanity because he thinks that, you know, they are too much of a risk almost, you know. In the, we, what you're actually saying is you want him to be Skynet. It kind of, in, in a way. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. But to be honest, I, you know, that's right. I, that's kind of what I would have wanted out of him as well. That would have been the perfect character it w- and it would have been, you know, the most uh, threatening. Yeah, seems like a good word. It would have been the most threatening character that the Avengers had taken down up to that point. Because now we're not just trying to enslave mankind. Now we're trying to actively destroy it. Destroy so it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so absolutely have that. And I, I think that would have made for a much better bad guy, not just a guy that wants to drop half a country on the other half of the country. Yeah. 
to kill the Avengers. Right, and it, you know, in the end, it just felt like it, it's the again the like we said earlier, it's the it's the easy way out where you could have had a much more interesting ending that is. It felt we would have felt a lot more personal, you know, because the whole idea that he is this twisted mirage, you know, twi- this twisted reflection of, of of what Tony's trying to do, and then he he decides that humanity deserves wiping out, as opposed to actually being supposedly there to protect everybody, and you know, yeah. it's a, it's a great topical idea, you know, of the whole idea of of our, our you know growing use of technology and AI could turn around, you know, yeah. and it, go, it does, like you say, it goes back to Skynet, it goes back to the Terminator, it's a similar idea, but done in a comic book way, in that you've got these heroes who are compromised by the fact that they've effectively created this, you know, Tony Stark did yeah. create this, you know, it's his fault, and that's why at the end he he feels some guilt, and he, obviously he's going to play into Civil War in terms of what he does in that film, I think, I would imagine, if the, if it goes the same way as the comics. So it's it's like, well, you know, I can understand the points they're trying to do, I just want to get rid of all the bloat. I want to get rid of all the the, the flashing to the, to the future. I want to get rid of of you know characters like Scar. I like Scarlet Witch, but not does she need to be here? Does the Falcon need to be in here? You know, it's like well, Scarlet Witch is another one. So I, I mean, again, because I don't know an awful lot about these characters. Even as X Men, I don't know an awful lot about these characters. But she seems to be able to do everything. Yeah, she you know she's not just. You know, she can't just mess with people's minds, and she's not just, you know, carry with the whole telekinesis. She does a little bit of everything. She seems like the Swiss army knife of the Avengers. You know, I, she just doesn't seem to fit. She doesn't have a purpose. She just is there and can do shitloads. Well, I, th- I think there's a, there's, a, there's an important reason with this, in that Scarlet Witch is basically a mutant in all but name. And she's a very different kind of, of character to anything we've seen in the Marvel universe, which is why I think she'd, she would ironically fit more in the Doctor Strange element of what we're going to get because she is, what do they call them in this? Well, they're not, they're not allowed to say mutant. Are they? No, because Fox have got mutant tied up and also quick in the, in the comics, Quicksilver and Scarlet, Witch are Magneto's children. There's a hint in, in days of future past that, that Quicksilver is, is Magneto's son. Whether or not they do more of that in Apocalypse, I don't know. So, you, you know, they, they are very much X-Men kind of mutant-y kind of characters that almost, especially Scarlet Witch, they they don't fit the Marvel that we've seen so far, which is why Scarlet Witch is, I think, part of the key to... I know she's not in Doctor Strange, but she's part of the key, I think, to more of that kind of area. You know, that much more yeah. mystical, magical kind of side of the, of the universe. She could come in very handy probably when they get to Infinity War, I would imagine. Yeah. But if, if, are we back to the same thing then, where they've they've put Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in just because they can, right? Just because yeah. they, just because they've they've somehow managed to wangle their way into legally being able to use them, even though Fox has the rights to all X Men mutants. Yeah, I think got that's literally it. as a middle finger to Fox in their film. <laughs> Look what we've done. Uh, I think there is a know. little bit of that, definitely, definitely. I, th- I, th- I, I, I... your summer tent pole ain't the place to do that. No. Exactly, and then especially when you're just going to dump Quicksilver as quick as that, you know, it feels like, well, what was the point? Yeah. What was the point? There were things in it I just don't think, I just don't think need to be there, and you could have much more compact, interesting story without them, really. Yeah. So whether or not that would mean that we get a more interesting flick at the end of it is open to question, really. Let us know what you think. If you think that, you know, the things we've decided, we've we've talked about and the things we've removed from the film or... Um, and we're talking as people who aren't comic book obsessives. There are people, you guys, who know the comics inside out could probably come up with 10 more interesting ways to actually change Age of Ultron um, oh, yeah, than we I, ever could. I've seen, people, 
I've seen some, you know, proper like comic book fans yeah. just they savage this film. Yeah. Got it from the in- yeah, got it from the inside out yeah. and rebuild it from the ground up, which and you know, deservedly so, I think to a point as well. I mean, I like I say, I enjoy watching these films from from the point of view of somebody that just watches films, but there has to be a point where you you're making comic book films. Don't piss off the people that gave you the money to yeah. do this. Yeah, you know, Ex- oh exactly. You know, don't shit on your own audience, really. No, and. To an extent, I think Age of Ultron, for the fact, for all its, you know, the good it does have, and it does have, it does that too much, I think, and and I think ultimately, I I feel a bit sorry for Joss Whedon. It's a shame that his Marvel legacy ends. There, yeah, it does really. And you know, the film, like I said, I watched it a few times since. I warmed to it a bit more. Obviously, the second time I watched it, I went in massively disappointed already. So you know, it, it wasn't as bad second time around, and it's an okay film but it just it could have been so much better. It really could have been. So we can only hope that Civil War repairs some of the damage and Infinity War really knocks it out of the park again. But if you if you have better ideas for how to fix Age of Ultron, or alternatively, you have films that you think could be fixed on Pick a Flick, then um, let us know. You know, send us a twit. Send us a twit. Send us a twit. Send us a twit. <laughs> Send us a tweet, even at uh, Pick a Flick Pods, and uh, you know, let us know on Facebook at Pick a Flick, and you know, just drop us an email at uh, Pick a Flick Pod at gmail dot com. You know, if if you wanna if you wanna suggest ways, you know, maybe we'll revisit this, you know, later on. But um, do I mention that it does bring out the probably the greatest line for me in all of all the films of twenty fifteen. It's still got my favourite line in it. What's that? It's when, when Thor says, fortunately, I am mighty. <laughs> that is quite good. It, it means absolutely nothing unless you see what I look like <laughs> and what I do for a living, but I walk around work saying it all the time. <laughs> I literally, I, I walk into classrooms, you know, fix things, and then teachers go, I didn't realise you'd be able to do that. I thought it was dead. And I walk out going, fortunately, I am mighty, and then leave. <laughs> If Age of Ultron is worth it alone for you being able to do that, I think it's it's made it's made it worthwhile. <laughs> but yeah, well, thanks thanks a lot, Andrew, for coming on to uh, to this experimental episode of of, uh, of Pick a Flick uh, and sharing. Uh, very cool. Your Thank you for having me on. No, it's absolute pleasure as always. Yeah, until you're uh, next on the show, which uh, I'm sure won't be too long away. Um, where can we find you around? Uh, I I spend all of my time generally moaning and pissing and bitching about films and games and TV and things on Twitter uh, at Brooker411 and I do an awful lot of writing for Foul Critics I, I do a lot of their film reviews for them yeah great film reviews as well and uh, Foul Critics is, is just a great site full of great people so do check those guys out and check out their far superior podcast of mine um, when you get a chance <laughs> uh, <laughs> they haven't even paid me to but say again, that again you know I'm I'm really lucky I, I'm not reviewing uh, Civil War. So Mr. Hughes will be doing that one, which means I actually I get to go and see the film and just sit and put my feet up and not have to be critical about it. I can just <laughs> switch off and enjoy it. Yeah. Which, you know, when 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 I first started doing it, it was really cool just sit and watch films and go, oh, I'm going to rip into that bit, I'm going to rip into that bit. But then you go see films that you really want to see and you start seeing how shit they are. <laughs> and you're like, oh. You go, oh, fuck's sake. Why can't I just enjoy it? So luckily, I get to go to Civil War and just be a film fan for a change. It's going to be quite nice. Yeah, that is that is a nice thing to be able to do. 
Well, um, I hope you get to go and see it. If not uh, the midnight screening, which will be an endurance test, then um, yeah. then very soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah, bank holiday weekend, so it will be done by the time I go back to work on Tuesday. Yeah. No doubt about yeah, it. I think that'll be the same for many people, certainly be the same for me. Um, so, yeah, it just leaves me to thank everybody for listening, and as ever... And um, do look us up at Black Hole Media as well. We're the we're part of the podcast network um, at Black Hole Media on Twitter. We've got some uh, loads of other podcasts, loads of exciting stuff going on, uh, and we're also on Facebook where you'll find lots of links to what we do as well. Yeah, until uh, we're back for another episode. Once one last thank you, Almighty Brooker. <laughs> thank you very much. It's always a pleasure coming on. <laughs> Cheers. And remember, guys, you pick the film. We talk about it. Simple. See you again. strings, but now I'm free. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.